As a woman, who is my life for? For myself or in service of people around me? As women, we were socialized to put ourselves last, taught to defer to others, to put everyone else's needs before our own, to take up as little space and as few resources as possible. But do we owe our time or access to our bodies to anyone? This is the Spinster Life Podcast, the podcast that can teach you about feminism but will have to charge. In my first chat with Shayna Francesca, we discussed how to live authentically in your own space and how to create a sanctuary for yourself, to practice setting boundaries and living intentionally in your own home. Go back and listen if you haven't. It's linked in the show notes. But your home is just one small corner of the world and just a small piece of who you are as a person. So how do you show up in the rest of the world? In the second part of our conversation, Shayna and I will talk about how to stand up to decades, nay, centuries of systems designed to oppress women and show up in the world for ourselves in the face of mansplaining and ignorance. Life design is about, is not about doing more, right? It's about being more intentional with what we are already doing, right? It's about recognizing what is meant for us and what isn't meant for us, right? Once we create an intention, then we can see what's aligning with that intention and what's not. And we can carve away that which is no longer serving us. So we can make space for what does belong in our life to really bloom and develop and grow and get more intentional, right? I think this is where our messages align. To me, being a spinster and living the spinster life means that you, if you do eventually choose dating, that you are choosing it not because it is the expected thing to do, not because it is the path that you should be on, but because it, you yeah. recognize the need within yourself. Yeah, Although every, I, every time I try to date, I'm like, why did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> why? Oh, and I'm like so quickly reminded and I wish the world weren't that way. I wish that patriarchy wasn't a thing and that men could show up as knew how to show up for themselves as whole human beings so that they could show up for the world as whole human beings so that it wasn't so painful to be in their presence. But until (laughs) that, and that's part of the reason why I do my work, because it's not just for women, it's for everyone, right? It's for every person on the planet, no matter your gender, to be able to live in the world together and create community together, right? Live in community with one another would be beautiful. But dating is just so painful. (laughs) <laughs> I try it usually for like a week, like a couple weeks at a time. And then I'm like, that's enough. And then I go back to not dating for like years, every time. <laughs> like years to recover from three weeks of dating. <laughs> yeah, I, I dated for 10 years pretty solidly, pretty intensely, like it was my job. And I'm decompressing right now. I'm taking a yeah. couple years off. And I don't know how you did it. I can't, I, I can't manage it for more than, literally more than a few weeks at a time. Well, I think because I didn't put a lot of thought into why I was doing what I was doing. And was taking on that message that love is beautiful, but deeper than that, like a person yeah. can complete you. Another person can complete oh, you. Yeah. And I never. Or should complete you. I think the message should. is more that another person is your completeness, right? Like, yes. we're not complete without another person is the message that women very specifically get. Yes, absolutely. And men don't really get that same message because we have Definitely. spinster, which is like a, a woman who's been put on the shelf who's been passed over and a bachelor. There's no words like that. Yeah, there's no words like that. He's a freewheeling, fun, fun guy. Yeah, he's the life of the party. Right. Yeah, yeah. he's got so many options. Yeah, but also it's a matter of like when men get married, it's so that they have someone to take care of them. When women get married. So I talk about this quite frequently, that women are raised to be colonized and men are raised to be colonizers. In the simplest form, in the simplest form, we boil it all down. That's what patriarchy teaches, right? And so we as women are constantly forfeit of our resources for the colonizer. 
And the colonizer feels entitled to those resources. And whenever we aren't willing to give more of our resources, gaslights us into believing that all of our resources actually belong to them. And how dare we hold them back? Because that's not love. Love would be us sacrificing ourselves literally to death. That's why women still do the brunt of the housework when they're in relationships, even if they work outside the home. 90%. 90%. Yeah. They do 90% of the work and of the labor, both emotional and physical inside the home. Still. Yeah. Still. Men are using weaponized incompetence and oh, using all, all of these tools <laughs> so that like they still don't have to, to do these things. Yeah. That, right. I, I think that's like a really good case for living on your own. When you live on your yeah. own, you have to do all of those things. Well, many men have lived on their own. And then the minute a woman comes in their life, pretend like they don't know how to do those things or pretend like a clean space, pretending like shared space is something that he doesn't see the dirt or the crazy one. And not all men, obviously not all men are doing this, but a ridiculous percentage are. And even the ones who are doing the work in most cases are still feel entitled to women's labor. They even feel, or if they're like starting to do the work, they're still in a place where they feel entitled to our time. Because I've had men who are like, I'm learning, I'm on this journey, this process of learning how to deconstruct my ideas with, you know, as a man within the patriarchy. And they're like asking questions that require a ridiculous amount of emotional labor on my part. And I'm like, I'm happy to have this conversation with you if you're paying me. When you're <laughs> right. paying. Yeah. Right? Because that's why I offer coaching. That's why I have group coaching and one-on-one coaching. That way it can meet different price points. And honestly, I prefer working with people in group coaching settings because there's so much beautiful learning that happens in community with one another and understanding and leaning into learning from each other's lived experience. But like, I've just gotten to the place where I'm like, you're not entitled. You are absolutely not entitled to my time. It's mine. and You can't have it. You can't have it. (laughs) No, you can't have it. You can't have it. I'm not giving it to you. I don't owe you the answer to that question. There are books. I'm not even going to bother to tell you because Google is free. You can, you, can, you can learn from Google or you can pay me for my time. I'm not even going to give you a list of books because that's still emotional labor. That absolutely still is. Emotional labor is one of those things that people are just becoming aware of. Yeah. And before that, yeah, we didn't even think about... Didn't how, have that what language. It, right. We knew what, what it, it felt like, but we didn't have the language. Yeah. Those little questions. What are we going to have for dinner? I don't know, whatever you want. Like we ran out of whatever or like not even we ran out of whatever. You just walk in and it's gone and you're the one who's expected to go to the grocery store or to keep the list of the things to know what brands need to be purchased because the guy will go to the store and be like, what brand was that again? Right. (laughs) We both use it. Why am I the one who has to keep track of it? But again, that's where men are raised to be colonizers. So they don't even recognize. They do to some degree. But the depth of it, they do not recognize how often they are demanding and in expectation of women's free labor and of our time. They feel entitled to our time. And so this is why I think it's right now, the statistic is that 70% of all divorces are being initiated by women. 70%. 70%. And so women are like, and then the rest of us who aren't married are like, (laughs) convincing me. That being with you is less enjoyable than being single. Good luck convincing me. And so many men are like, you're going to end up alone with 12 cats. Well, imagine what you're saying out loud is that we would rather have 12 cats than you. What you're admitting out loud is simply that you are so undesirable and contributing so little 
that 12 cats could replace you. And there's just, and there's so much of that, like, internalized misogyny. Not yeah. even internalized. That's not even, uh-uh. that is very it's externalized. Yes, very weaponized. That, yeah. that crazy cat lady stereotype. Right. And that and that goes along with that whole, like, spinster dried up. Yes. You better jump right. on the train. Yeah. And get in line and get in, get with a man or be in a relationship right. before, yeah, and it's before like, no, you but expire. We have, yeah, but we have relationships. And again, it's very sad for me, the world that men live in, because they are so isolated, because they aren't raised to care for themselves. They aren't raised to deal with that for the long haul. The patriarchy promises them that if they follow the rules of patriarchy, they will get a wife. She will care for them. They won't have to do that work that they'll just have to bring home a paycheck. That's it. That's all they're responsible for. Then they can kick back and drink their beer and then reap right. all the rewards of having this person who's labor, who they can colonize. But the, pro- the thing is that women have checked out of that narrative. We have opted out completely, almost right. completely. And so now they're angry because they're not getting the promise of patriarchy anymore. Yes. Like that whole one income the man is yeah. the breadwinner thing that really only died a long time ago. <laughs> it, well, and it only really existed like post World War II, right. and for a very short amount of time after that. And yes. that wasn't even like th- that wasn't everybody. I look at my grandmothers, and they both yeah. worked outside the home. So that isn't that wasn't even the yeah. majority. Maybe it was the majority of women, but it wasn't always the only yeah. story yeah. for women. Well, especially for people who had recently emigrated, so on and so forth. There was not necessarily the ability for the uterus having person to the childbearing person to simply exist at home. There just wasn't necessarily that ability. It was always a function of white supremacy, right? Because that was never a reality. The stay-at-home mom was never a reality for black and brown people and indigenous people. That was never a reality, right? So the woman returning to the workplace or the woman activated in the workplace was always a reference to white women entering the because black yes. and brown women were. So all of this is just a function of white supremacy and of this hierarchy and all these systems of oppression. And I, unfortunate, and for, fortunately for us, we're in a place where many people are questioning the nature of their reality, but still white men are resisting primarily, but not entirely just white men, but primarily white men are resisting that conversation. And it's become an even more dangerous time for women, right? So dating has become exponentially more dangerous for yes. women. Especially right. if you will go dating white men. We just saw what happened with the woman who went out on a blade with that guy. And he held her hostage and would deprive her of food and water for five days because she refused his sexual advantages. And he felt entitled to her body because she swiped right. Like I that, didn't even, this, I've not heard about this. This That is was horrifying. well because Bumble is trying to hide it. Uh, of course they are. Of course they are. <laughs> Some context and updates on the Bumble date kidnapping. So the guy was arrested and his lawyer claimed that because the two knew each other previously, that there's no way that she could have been kidnapped. Here is a statement from the lawyer. We have a very strong stance that a lot of these did not occur. I think that will show that there's more to their relationship. I think it will show that there's a history between them, that they've spent numerous occasions together amongst other people, whether it's friends, family that can vouch for their relationship, from what they've seen as third-party witnesses that can vouch for their characters. It is shit like this that only serves to illustrate our point in this entire episode that men see women's bodies as their property. You never owe anyone anything. You can absolutely be kidnapped by someone that you know well and have spent time with. I'll include some links to more articles about the Bumble kidnapping in the show notes. 
Yeah. So all of these things are just, it's just a matter of us recognizing like America's in the top 10 most dangerous countries consistently, right? Our birth, our birth rate, a mother's survival rate in childbirth is lower than any other industrialized and modern nation in the world. And for Black women, it's four times the national average. You have all of these statistics, which show over and over again, our general violence towards women. And then they expect women to show up and want to be in relationship with them. But that's not a relationship. That's slavery and exploitation. It absolutely is. And so I, a spinster life for me. <laughs> <laughs> Until that dynamic changes, spinster life for me. <laughs> yeah. White men don't have the tools to just look at what is going on and to be no, able to don't. to look at the world objectively and subjectively and not internalize that as like, well, if I'm bad, then that negates everything that I am as a human being. Or if I have to re-examine things, then, well, who, who I, am yeah. I even? I think the hard part for men is that they are deeply emotional. They don't like the idea that they have hurt women. They can't stomach it. They can't stomach that what right. they've been taught to do is actually harmful to women. They don't want to stomach that because the reality is they don't actually want to harm women. Not there are some who do. Right, honestly. obviously. But, but the, right, the vast majority don't actually want to know that they're responsible for directly harming women. That reality right. is they can't stomach. And so they're refusing to face that reality. Yes. They'd have to stomach all the people they've coerced into sex. And they have to face the fact that, in fact, they are in some way a predator, right? Because right. they felt entitled to women's bodies. And that's like 90% of men will have to face the, re the reality, especially for white men, that every sexual encounter that they've ever had is coercion, had an element of coercion because in a hierarchical system, as a white man, you are at the top of that system. And so there is a power imbalance in every single sexual encounter you have with anyone who's anyone other than a white man of your same social status. Yeah. And, and so if you, yeah, if you coming to that reality for white men, is right, it's terrifying. Really painful, it's terrifying in a very painful reality that yeah. much of their sexual encounters have been coerced because to me, coercion even enters in when you do not understand female anatomy and do not understand the prep involved, right? And you do not mm -hmm. understand that a sexual organ's response does not actually equal desire, right? Because absolutely, the, the vagina actually becomes wet at the expectation of sex, not the desire of sex, right? And so most men believe that if a vagina is wet, that a woman wants it. And that is a function of rape culture, right? So all of yeah. these things are things that they have to face that are exceptionally painful. So it's no wonder that this is a very difficult topic for men to enter into. And it shatters their entire world. I mean, quite literally shatters their entire world. But they didn't realize up until this point that their world was made of sugar, of right. clear sugar dome, that all it took is one little tap and it came like, right, <laughs> crashing. <laughs> Unlike women, men have never been told that they're wrong, whereas women, no accountability, are, as they're growing up, are constantly told that everything about you is wrong, the way you look, the way you act, yeah, the, yes. what you want, everything, everything. Being who you are is an affront to humanity. So you better yeah. be smaller, quieter, nicer. You better give more and people please yourself to death, literally, to the brink of insanity if you right. are to be a good woman. Whatever the fuck that means. Good woman means being <laughs> quiet. It means being smaller. Yeah. It means standing aside yeah, for a man. Yeah. It means serving a man. Yeah, it, yeah, it means yeah. it just means being that less, word submissive sets me off every time. <laughs>
Yeah, it is. It's an infuriating yeah. word. And it's yeah. infuriating when people are, say it's also a, it's they a don't good understand thing. the word. They don't know what the word means because submission is not me abdicating my power to you because you say so. Submission is actually the submissive person is actually the person in power, right? Because and the submission is an act and a response to respect and trust. So especially when you look at like the BDSM community, submission, the submissive person is the person in power. And there's a contract, there's a written contract between the dom and the submissive that says what is and is not acceptable. And then there's language around that that says, if I say this word, you must stop on a dime without question, without a question, without justification, without reason or explanation. You must stop. Which that's just consent across the board. Right. But most men don't understand that. They're taught, stop me, go. Because as long as the vagina is wet or as long as she's in your presence, as long as she chooses to keep being around you, you are the one in control. Meanwhile, women are like, but I don't want to be around you. I'm going to leave you if you don't stop doing this thing. And he's like, she's bluffing. She's bluffing. And then 20 years into a marriage when she's completely checked out and just leaves him, he's like, I don't know what happened. There was no signs. Wasn't there though? Yeah. You just felt entitled. And you didn't feel that you needed to pay that much attention. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So so women choosing to be spinsters now is just a function of men not being human beings. I think it's a that's a massive function of it. We're just choosing ourselves because we're tired of having to give our resources and live our lives and sacrifice for what? Because most of us aren't religious anymore either. So we don't believe in another life that's going to be this heaven as a reward for the hell that we're living now. I've always thought that was an awful thing about religion to say like, well, let's we'll just all be awful to each other here. But, uh, you know, just, yeah, wait it out and you'll sit on a puffy cloud forever. In a gold house with golden streets. And I firmly sit in the place that now, obviously, I didn't realize this growing up in it, that especially white evangelical Christianity is the PR and marketing firm for white supremacy. Yeah. And capitalism, which is a function of white supremacy. Yes. Pretty much every system that we have in place is oppressive. It is not, it is not designed to support equity or women. Yeah. It's not designed to support anybody who's not a white cis het male person. Yeah. And we see that violence escalating and then repealing, like repealing things like Roe v. Wade. And we saw this, If you look back in history, the last time that this kind of political upheaval and overturn happened in this exact way, meaning abortion was repealed and then education was systematically changed and history was removed from teachings was in pre-World War II Germany. Abortion was repealed. So Hitler was coming into power. Hitler started moving in the political arena very soon after World War I because there was a lot of trauma. Germany was suffering financially. They were suffering as a people, so on and so forth, right? And then he slowly came into political power, started making these shifts and creating blame, pointing the finger of this, that we're suffering because of this, then repealed abortion so that more, because eugenics needed to be run into. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing eugenics, we're seeing abortion repealed, we're seeing education systems change. So the trajectory that we're on as a country is a very, very dangerous one. It just becomes more and more dangerous for women. So us banding together and improving our education and continuing to lean in and hold ourselves accountable to educate ourselves on the history, our, our history is absolutely necessary for the next generation. Even though we're choosing to be women who do not have children, we still have influence on the children around us and the people growing up around us. And right. we can still be part of that education if we choose to be, but it's not our responsibility, right? It's not our yes. responsibility, and- it's not our labor. 
But and yes, and absolutely, we, that's that argument that you don't have children, you're not, you're like not contributing to the next generation. That's Sam, I'm the village. That's a fallacy. That's yeah, yeah. right. I'm the it's, village. I'm yeah. the village for my sisters. They both have daughters. I'm their village. I'm, <laughs> I'm the person they call right away when they need a babysitter or they need someone to go pick up their daughter because she's vomiting because I work from home. I am the village, right? I am a significant part of their lives and their education. And I honestly, when you look at psychology, will tell you that like parents have some control over a child's reality, but over a certain age, it's actually their friends who have a stronger influence on the outcome of who they are. So I actually have a stronger influence on the outcome of who my nieces are than their own parents. Well, I mean, that's that is like a function of just maturing, too, is that you you turn outward and you see new perspectives and you don't just, you know, rely on being spoon fed, whatever your parents. Yeah. You ask the people who are going to answer the question honestly (laughs) 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 and more fully than your parents, because your parents are like in the hyper protection mood. And you're like, but actually, (laughs) my wife always comes to me to ask me the questions her parents will answer. She's like, mommy didn't tell me. And I was like, well, I'm going to answer this carefully, but I'm still going to (laughs) answer. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's like all those fundamental things that yeah. that like yeah, we were sort of withheld when we were yeah. children because it was uncomfortable and parents didn't yeah. want to talk about yeah. like sex and consent and your bodily autonomy. Like, go give well, Aunt also, Myrtle yeah. a kiss, yeah. and you're like, right. I don't really want to. Right. But you She's have not to. Safe. You have to right. be nice, and you have it's to let nice people to, access yeah. your body. Exactly. Meanwhile, you have to stay chaste. But if I tell you, you have to allow someone access to your body, you have to allow it, but you can't allow someone. I don't tell you like boys can't access your body. You can't understand your own pleasure. Pleasure is not a discussion we're going to have. Pleasure is bad. You're a woman. Your function is to birth children, period. And I just can't believe Meanwhile, most men think that we can't pee with a tampon in. So like, (laughs) like the fact that our fathers had nothing to do with our sexual. Yeah. Thank God, because... Right. Oh my. Yeah. Oh my God. I just the things and I, we would have been taught. I cannot believe like that. It's still so bad. Like men's knowledge of anatomy is so bad. Every but, time yeah. it's it's a younger man. I'm shocked. Like wh- we we have the internet. You can read about it. You would think that but, sex education but would be would be algorithms part of have a uh, but algorithms have a huge part have a huge part to play in that because. What I Google and what someone else Googles are going to be two, and the results are going to be two different things. So the algorithm placates what type of answer you want. So if you're the kind of man who thinks that a woman can't pee with a tampon in, the results you get are going to be from uneducated, uninformed men who just decided they were going to talk on a microphone and pretend that because they said it, it's true. (laughs) That's the kind of information that you're going to get back. So that's the unfortunate part that technology plays that they're not responsible for yet. Our laws haven't caught up with our technology, haven't caught up with the internet, right? And there being accountability and those top results should be ones that are accurate medical information, not aligned with TikTok, some on TikTok right now, there's a video going around of a guy who said that if a woman has a period any more often than once every four years, it's because she doesn't eat properly or, or exercise. He's <laughs> like, sir, do you understand how pregnancy happens? Like, you don't understand I, a damn thing. And you're shh, just be quiet yeah. or be quiet. Um, <laughs> yeah, like wow. I, yeah, I feel like that is basic, just basic middle school information. Menstruation, actually menstruation, the very Latin word means cycled with the moon, like it means monthly. Right. I mean, it means monthly. 
Yeah. And like, that's, that's even like one slang term for a period is monthly. Right. Exactly. But that was clearly lost on him. He believed. And there's a woman who's saying the same thing, but I, but she's a woman, but she's a woman who looks like, I mean, I'm like, but that might be your reality as a woman. It could be that your period's only showing up once every four years. Perhaps it's a function of your body weight, of your percentage of body fat, or it's some kind of medical issue. But that's not just because it's true for you doesn't mean it's true for everybody. When 99.9% of people with uteruses experience a monthly right. period, yeah. that's your reality. You're trying to justify the nature of your reality rather than accepting that your reality is just yours. Yeah. Like I <laughs> I, uh, I, have PCOS. And when I was younger, oh, I had my amazing. periods once every like 60 days or something. Oh, wow. And that's, I, but I didn't go around saying like, no, you guys, no, but this is the way it happens. It's every 60 uh, days. Oh, no. My period's always been a monster. I, since I was a kid, I got my period at nine and a half. I had because of early sexual Yeah, it happens because of early sexual exposure. And by the time I was 11, I was on birth control because I had bled from the time that I was 10 all the way till I was 11. I bled every day except one, except on what this gave me, except my ovulation day. I would spot on my ovulation day. Every other day I bled for a year. And then after that, after they kind of got it under control, and it's probably because my hormones, I was nine and a half. My, right. my body wasn't ready for what was happening. I had my period for 14 days up until, and I'm sure it's some diagnosis I should have gotten, but no doctor ever made it like it was a big deal. They always just like, I'm like, I'm in pain half the month, every single month. And they're like, you're fine. That's normal. It was that way up until about 32, up until six years ago. I was, I guess about six years ago, it had gotten down to just 10 days. Now it's firmly at five and I feel like I've hit the friggin' lottery to have like a fairly five days, a normal fairly standard. Right. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Is this what other people's <laughs> periods have been like their whole life? This is great. I, Meanwhile, I'm like counting down the days to when I like hit menopause and I'm like, like <laughs> I would love to hit it at 45 and just be like, yeah. you've, you've menstruated more than most people have Correct. or ever will maybe three or four people. Like right. you, <laughs> let's just get it over with. Come on. Yeah. No, you've done your you've done your time. So my, exactly, yeah, done my time. Just take it. Meanwhile, my mom didn't go through menopause until she was fifty-seven. <laughs> oh no. Well, <laughs> maybe there will be some medical advance for you. I mean, I highly doubt that because that would have to be you know research by men. Yeah. Yeah, that have to be research into women's bodies, which we know that right. there's not there's not a lot right. of that. Right. And, no. and like your experience of just no. being completely dismissed when you come in yeah. with some issue yep. that is obviously yeah. not, not, not okay. normal and <laughs> obviously causing you distress, yeah. but to be just completely right. dismissed. Yeah. Um, that's such a common thing. Because most doctors are actually taught that we don't have as many nerve endings around our cervix. Right. So then like, <laughs> that's like- why. That's why when, what's it called, are inserted. Oh, the, um, the, the ID, IUD? IUD, thank you. I was like, the thing, you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, when IUDs are inserted, oftentimes it's done without any local or any general anesthesia because there's no true belief that we actually experience any significant enough pain there. Meanwhile, if a guy gets a gets an, an X-ray or any kind of, what's it called when you're pregnant and they use oh, the- an, um, ultra, an ultrasound? Yeah, when, that, when a guy gets an ultrasound of his testicles- They'll put him under anesthesia. Wait, an erectile dysfunction is covered. Erectile dysfunction surgery is covered by insurance, but tummy tucks are not. Right, like you might. All of these things are like crazy. Like a guy gets an ultrasound of his testicles, and and he can go under anesthesia. Right, whereas we're getting something 
inserted into our body into our cervixes oh my don't get me started on that also don't get me started on the fda by the way (laughs) if you guys don't know the approval process when it comes to devices no this is like absolute serious for women especially everyone but if you do not understand the fda's approval process when it comes to medical devices you should because that process is absolutely bananas so if a device is approved and then later proves to be harmful to human beings and gets recalled and is never allowed inside of another human being's body another manufacturer can come take that patent re- just do a slight modification and get immediately approved because this original device was approved even though it proved to be harmful to humans yeah our- so please don't get anything inserted into your body without understanding exactly how it was approved and what patents it based its approval off of please yeah <laughs> don't That's do a, it it's a lot of research but you know it's your body and the fda is not looking out for us and it is the number absolutely- of women i know who have had meshes implanted into their cervical wall because of incontinence so on and so forth like it's and that mesh was never actually supposed to be used for what it was used for it has caused absolutely insane amounts of harm to, so i would never get a device inserted into my body unless i did an insane amount of research yeah. and, and it might be life-saving and you might not have that opportunity but please just understand if you can please understand and if you t- if you say that to a medical doctor like what's the fda approval process for medical devices and you you say what i just said he'll look at you and shake his head and say yes that's exactly the process <laughs> yeah. And by the um, way, half of those well, doctors are invested in those pharmaceutical companies and in those medical device companies. Of course they, they are. They want to help push. Yeah. So it's and all I, shenanigans. And I definitely thought you were going to say <laughs> when you said they're going to shake their head at you, they're going to shake their head at you no, and just, they just don't. disbelief and just like, oh, I can't know. And then another woman <laughs> reading and researching. <laughs> but every medical doctor I said that to, he looked at me in disbelief. Like, how the hell do you know that? And was like, <laughs> which, and was like, I can't deny. I which that deny. is, that says something too, that like, that this is kept so tightly under wraps. Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah. How did, how did, how does it, because also like as a single, like as a single woman, we don't have a man by our side advocating for us with that male. And that's who they respect is another man, specifically a white man, right? They wouldn't respect a black man or a brown man, a white man. You know, I think it's really important to understand in the ways in which we need to advocate for ourselves because we don't even know the ways, right? We we don't even know the ways that we don't even know to advocate for ourselves. Right. Because of all this bureaucracy, because of all the secrecy behind it. Yeah. You can't know what you don't Don't know. know. Yeah. And I think all of this to say, to just bring it back to interior design, that the world (laughs) is a stressful place for women. And that's why what you do is so important in creating a space that women can live in. Oh, everybody can live in. Yeah. And exactly. that, That is restful. That supports any goals that you have that reduces stress. Yeah. And having conversations like this is why I do group coaching is because we learn so much from one another, from one another's learned experiences and lived experiences and so on and so forth. And to be able to have these discussions about a variety of topics. And I don't just do the group group coaching for women. It's for all people so that men are learning. They're sitting there and hearing. I'm conducting the conversation and then we're each talking about our lived experience with that information. 
And to be able to share is a way of being able to learn from each other and create safe space for each other and create community. And it's a really powerful place to be, to be able to share and learn from one another, because again, we don't know what we don't know. And there's so much out there that it is almost impossible. It's impossible. To to know about everything. And that's why we have each other and need each other. We need community with other women so we can learn from each other and all of our experiences. One place you can find community is the Spinster Life Substack newsletter. I will link it in the show notes below. Sign up and get access to one of our weekly chats about how to date yourself. You can also follow me on Instagram at Living the Spinster Life. And you can follow me on YouTube. Channel name is The Spinster Life. So thanks again to Shana Francesca. Here's where you can find her. The easiest place to go is just go to my website. It's www.consonate.world. And I'm sure it'll be um, shagged. Nope. It'll be tagged in the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be tagged in the show notes. And so you can go there. All of the links to social media are are there. There's links to the article, places I've been published, all the podcasts that I've been on. There's some links to some videos about what is life design and some helpful tools that people can start implementing. So there's lots there and then information about so the workshops that I provide and on-group coaching and one-on-one coaching is also everything's there. It's a great resource of information. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. 